Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, we're going to continue on a new series on uh, the Kings of Old. And I know Pastor Steve uh, spoke last week while I was out, uh, out on vacation. And uh, as we continue on this series, we're going to look at the Kings of Israel and in Judah uh, in the Old Testament, and, and in this time you'll find uh, different things happening, and before we jump too far into this, we need to consider something that has affected people uh, since the beginning of time, even these kings of old, and accountability is one of those words that kings don't necessarily like because they like their absolute power. Uh, but the, as the old saying goes, absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely. And that's why there must always be accountability with any leadership position. Uh, but the kings of old are examples of leadership that we can learn from. But I'm really not here to talk about leadership. That's not the point and uh, what I'm sharing with you today. But uh, even though that is the, uh, the case... Uh, still, this applies in any leadership position you may have, any work that you have, but it goes beyond that. We all like being our own person. We all like being autonomous people, kind of like the autonomous cars. We have minds of our own. And autonomous car uh, drives, uh, they drive themselves according to the rules that are programmed into their computers, supposedly. And, uh, and they are supposed to miss objects and find their way down a road by looking at lines and using cameras and sonar, radar, all kinds of different things that they do. And, and yet at times, they don't always make the right decisions when they're driving on the road. They will do funny things like the, the, the programmers will try to train these cars because they have all this technology on them and they, they will use weird things like a woman in a wheelchair chasing a duck across the street just to try to confuse it a little bit and help it to get its bearings. Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes you see things and you think, I don't understand what's going on here. I, I don't know what is happening. And so still those cars, they still get into their accidents. But the problem is, is with that kind of stuff, the technicians, they, they can't interrogate the cars after an accident happens. Sure, they can look at their computers and, and try to figure out what's taking place, but, but they still can't ask them all the questions that they want to. Like, why did this ha accident happen? So we have to deal with more accidents until those things are perfected. And in the meantime, test drivers are needed to, to uh, be the ones to make the tough choices behind the wheel of those cars. Now, there are times that we all enjoy our freedom to live and to think about how independent we are. Then it hits us. We may be independent in some regards, but we are really interdependent. And no matter what our social status is, no matter what our leadership status, we depend on God and we depend on others as well. We depend on one another. So this word accountability is not only for those Old Testament kings or for the autonomous cars, but for every person who likes to be their own person. 
There are some uh, great joys in being unique, uh, one of a kind with your own freedom. Everyone wants to be the king and the master of their own lives. Yet there is also a responsibility for us if we're going to live a life free and an independent life. We're going to jump off into an Old Testament passage. We're going to look in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 here shortly. But before we do, if you're not very familiar with the Old Testament, there are a few. it's important to note uh, that at some point in history, Israel split up into two different kingdoms. Uh, the northern tribes went north, of course, and they became northern Israel. They became Israel, called Israel. And uh, those tribes, they had their main capital at one point was in Samaria. And then the southern tribes, uh, they had split off and they became Judah. They became the southern kingdom and they maintained their capital in the city of David, as we know, Jerusalem. And there were some good kings, there were some bad kings, and there were some notorious kings, especially in the north like Ahab and Omri, those guys were rough, and uh, they, uh, we've seen them in the account of Elijah and such, but those guys were the most wicked of Israel, but today we're not going to look at the northern king so much as we are into Judah and the southern kingdom. So these two guys that we're going to look at are King Uzziah and Jotham. Let's begin by looking at the record of what the scripture says here in Second Second Chronicles. I'm going to get you in the right book here, verse one to five in chapter twenty-six. It says, "Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was sixteen years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Elah and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned uh, reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was uh, Jechaliah. You have to say these things in public, right? And she was from Jerusalem. Uh, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. Uh, He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. And that's the key there. So here we look at uh, King Uzziah. He was a teenage king. Uh, He was a young guy. He started off, uh, we start off by looking at verse 4 here where it says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father Amaziah had done. Now it seems that the writer of uh, Chronicles is giving us a general view of the king's reign and that what he did was right. So these guys weren't perfect. He, he definitely shows some grace here because these kings weren't perfect. They, they made some heavy mistakes in their leadership. They made some heavy mistakes in following the Lord for sure, including Uzziah. And I would dare to say that there are, are those here that would be quite like these kings, you and I. We need to answer a few questions here about this first King Uzziah. Who is King Uzziah? We we saw it in the text. He was a 16-year-old youth who received his leadership role from his dad, Amaziah. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the pressure being put on you as a 16-year-old and told, 
hey, guess what? You get to lead this whole country. You got a cabinet here, got the prophet here to tell you what to do, got all these things, and now it's all in your hands. Run away and take care of business and do it all right, right? Could you imagine the pressure that this guy had on him? Now, Uzziah's dad had messed up later in his life by doing his own thing. He sought wisdom from false gods, and it destroyed him in the end. And there's something to say here about finishing well. For us, it's important to start well. We want to start well in our race of life, in this journey that we have between us and God. We want to start well, but we also want to end well. It's crucial when it comes to our faith. Uzziah found, uh, found God during the days of Zechariah the prophet. And for some reason he turned to the Lord and this teenager king reigned from about 790 B.C. to about 739 B.C. So our next question that we have to answer here, what, what did King Uzziah do for God and his people? Well, in, in 2 Chronicles 26 verse 6 it says, He went to war against the Philistines. He broke down the walls of Gath. Uh, Jabna and Ashdod, and then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs uh, who lived in Gerbal and against uh, the Meunites. And the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. So Uzziah was, champ, was a champion for Judah in the southern kingdom. This guy had some things going. He was a champion for the ancient Israelites. He worked hard at being part of the mission of God and for his people. And he was, he, uh, was someone who wasn't going to ignore his responsibility to leave a legacy for the next generation. Philistines had tried to squeeze the life out of God's people, at least since the time of David, uh, who put down Goliath, the Philistine, and Uzziah was not going to let them rise again. He was a builder. He was a builder who took care of the poor in the rural areas around him, and this king was a champion of the people. He'd worked very hard for them and for the Lord. But sometimes being a winner can get you so wrapped in your victories that you forget where your help comes from. And that's why it's important for us to make sure that we recognize where our help comes from. No matter how much work we put forward, no matter what we're doing, that we recognize that it is the Lord that gives us the ability to live the life that we are living. And to Him we can give thanks for what He has done in our lives. And this very uh, same problem seemed to happen with this king, Uzziah. He, he just decided to go his own way. And if you look there in, in verse 16, it says this. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. And Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They weren't going to let it happen. And verse 18 says, they confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated, who have been set apart 
to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. So King Uzziah, he was held accountable for his actions. These priests jumped in. He, he didn't think it mattered. He didn't think it mattered, but it did. Uzziah decided that since uh, he was his own man, he was autonomous, he could, he could tell uh, these guys what to do because he was the king. He was the one on top. He had decided to do the job of the priest, but should have stuck to his own position that God had given to him at that point in time. One scholar said it this way, that his sin in entering the temple to burn incense consisted not simply of taking what was only a priestly privilege, their responsibility, but perhaps also in claiming for himself a Canaanitish uh, type of office. So what does that mean to us? Well, I can live how I want to, is what he was saying. I don't have to live within the boundaries that God has set up for me. I have my own mind, I have my own will, and how dare you squelch me? I'm accountable to no one, and it was his downfall. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like for those priests at that point in that day and time as they're interacting with this guy. There he is, uh, the, this king, and uh, he's saying, hey, it's my way or the highway, and they're saying, absolutely not. Zechariah kept Uzziah on the right path, but when Zechariah was gone, Uzziah fell away. And the king had lost somebody who had kept him accountable. Now if you look here in verse 5, you can see it played out. It says, he sought God during the days of Zechariah who had instructed him in the fear of God. In reverence, in the, that fear, the reverence of God, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. This brings up us to a potential uh, life-altering question. Who is with you that can tell you when you're going wrong? Who is around you in your, among your friends, among your family, maybe co-workers, maybe a church? Who is with you that can tell you when you're going the wrong direction? Maybe it's a good friend, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a godly co-worker that you work with, uh, maybe it's a pastor that you're going to be honest with. It could, it, it's, is it somebody that you attend a life group with? Maybe you're in a life group, maybe the life group leader themselves, maybe they interact with you and are willing to, to ask the hard questions. This is another reason why life groups are so important to the spiritual life of every follower of Christ. You get to connect even more personally with each other and with the Word of God. These, these small groups, they're, they're an important thing for us as followers of Jesus. You get, connect, you get to connect with one another and it, it helps you hold yourself accountable for your faith. And even then, it's ultimately your responsibility to accept the challenge to follow through in the direction that the Lord gives you in your life. It goes for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter who we are. Don't miss out on the priests here, though. It's interesting what these priests did. We, we see the priests, and, and the, it says the courageous priests wouldn't let this king by with his actions. These guys were courageous. The writer calls them courageous. Why? <laughs> because they are facing down the king who has the right and the ability to cut their head off. 
And they're standing up to him and saying, hey, buddy, you are in the wrong. You should not be in here doing this. And they tell him to get out of the way. There was something else you need to note to understand the actions that God took with this king. We find it here in verse 19. And Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. It's like, it's like the king told them, get, get out of my way. You're taking my, away my right to do what I want. Accountability. Accountability was one of those words that Uzziah didn't like because he liked his power. He liked that power and his absolute power had corrupted him. God made a statement by providing Uzziah a checkmate. He said, here's the leprosy, buddy. Now you're paying for what you did. Now our, our own independence can corrupt us and we see that with Uzziah. It can happen to us and that's why we must keep our hearts open to God. We must keep our minds open to Him so that He can work in us and so that He can transform us and keep us on the right path that we need to go down. We see, we see that Zechariah helped uh, keep in check, uh, keep this king in check while he was around but after Zach was gone, the Uzziah missed the prophet's voice of sanity. We always need that voice of sanity in our lives, don't we? We need somebody else beside us to say, whoa, wait a second, what are you thinking here? Why were you going to do that? No, don't do that. We need that voice of sanity. It helps us to stay on the journey that God has set in front of us. I'm sure our missionary couple over here, I'm sure that the times that they have spent in the Philippines, I'm sure there were times that it was hard, that it was difficult, being out of their own culture, in another culture, and I'm sure that they had to encourage one another in the Lord to be able to stay in the right direction. It's the same for each and every one of us. We need to be able to encourage one another and to strengthen one another while we still have time. Too often we confuse love with permissiveness. Is it not love to fail to discourage another believer from sin any more than it is love to fail to take a drink away from an alcoholic or matches away from a baby? True fellowship out of love for one another demands accountability from us. Learning to be dependent on the Lord's Word and interdependent with His people can give you strength. There is nothing better than that as we strengthen one another in the presence of God, as we strengthen one another by knowing the Word and allowing the Word of God to help us and to guide us through this life that we live. As a follower of Christ, it's important for us. There's a truth that we find among the kings of old, that, and that truth remains today. Humility accepts correction and pride ignores it. There's time that each and every one of us have to be able to step to the side and allow God to redirect us when we decided to go another uh, way. We need to allow ourselves to be humble before Him. And we can read some of the last verses of 2 Chronicles chapter 26 here. In verse 21, it says this, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. 
He lived in a separate house, leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. So we see that he had to basically, even though Uzziah was the king, Jotham now has to take over the daily duties of this king. He has to take care of business for this other king. Uzziah rested with his ancestors, verse 23 says, and was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings, for people said he had leprosy. And Jotham, his son, succeeded him as king. It is here that we find the end of one king's reign only to start the next. But the end doesn't mean he totally lost his faith, but he messed up and it limited his life outcome. How much better would it have been if he would have stayed on the path that the Lord had told him? And for each and every one of us here in this place, we want to make sure that we stay on the journey that the Lord is sending us down so that as we walk in that journey that the Lord will help us and He will sustain us and that the end will be just as good or better than the beginning. So many times people decide, I'm going to start out well somewhere in the middle. I don't know. They start out well, but in the end they say, well, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I'll just do whatever I can. But no, we need to be people who press forward that we continue moving forward and allow the Lord to work through our lives. Now we see King Jotham, he must have learned some things from his dad's actions. He saw how his dad lived. He saw the things he did, the good things he did. He saw the mistakes his dad made as well. I'm sure he learned this proverb. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So having reverence, having that fear of the Lord is important. And he seemed to learn this in his life. King Jotham, this next king, he respected the Lord. In Second Chronicles chapter 27, now we see in the first six verses, Jotham was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Yerusha, daughter of Zadok, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. But unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. We'll look at that. The people, however, continued their corrupt practices. That's why Babylon comes in later on, and they were exiled because of it. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord and did extensive work on the wall at the hill of Ophel. He built towns in the hill country of Judea and forts and towers in the wooded areas. Jotham waged war against the king, uh, the king of, Ammonite, of the Ammonites and conquered them. That year the Ammonites paid him a hundred talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat and 10,000 cores of barley. Then the Ammonites brought him the same amount also in the second and third years. Jotham grew powerful because he walked steadfastly before the Lord his God. He chose to walk steadfast. So who is this king Jotham? As we've read, he's, he's a young king. He's not as young as his dad was when he started out. But he's already been in charge of the kingdom doing the day-to-day. And because his dad was sick and had leprosy, he wasn't allowed to be 
in the temple or, or to be leading. And so he had, he had been running things with his dad out of commission. You can see here in verse 2, it says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. But unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. So both uh, father and son generally were good kings, but Jotham learned from his dad to arrogance. He didn't step out of line in his worship in his, or in his leading. He found his place and he served. He wasn't perfect either. He was a human as well. He did, uh, but he did what he was supposed to do. But you need to remember that the people kept living spiritually corrupt lives. So we have to ask ourselves again, what did Jotham do for God and for his people? Uh, he too was a builder, building towns, forts, towers. He rebuilt the upper gate at the temple and, and the wall. And those who have been keys, those would have been keys to keeping everything together and to extend the mission of God throughout the world. So he too took possession of the land by overcoming the Ammonites. Scripture says that he grew powerful because he walked steadfast before God. Each of us can learn from that to walk steadfast before our Lord, before our God. Scholars tell us that a testimony to Jotham's power was that they found, uh, they made this discovery of the official seal, the signet ring, uh, at Ezion Geber, and uh, this was uh, Judah's outpost, and it continued under Hebrew control for years. It was on the Gulf of Aquaba, which is a, it's a major port. And they found the signet ring. They know this guy existed, and they know that he was wealthy from what they were seeing. There, there was a difference, though, between Jotham and his dad, Uzziah. Uzziah let it go to his head. And, it took thing, and he took things into his own hand, and his power had corrupted his life in the end. How do we relate this to us? If we have a job, do we use our head? Do we use our heart? Are we respectful of others? Do we love God? Do we treat our neighbor as ourselves? How, how do we live this out? It's important for us as followers of Jesus, to allow the Holy Spirit to work through our lives that we can be His witnesses in the community we live. Jose Cubero was one of Spain's most uh, brilliant uh, matadors. He was uh, 21 years old. Uh, in the 1950s, uh, he had been enjoying a, a spectacular career. However, in 1958, uh, when they were still doing the full-fledged bullfighting, he, uh, Jose made a tragic mistake. He had uh, uh, thrust his sword a final time into this delirious bull, and the bull dropped to the ground. He collapsed. And, and, and Jose considered that uh, the, the uh, fight was finished, and, and so he turned around to the crowds, and was, he was basking in their applause and the joy and all that, that, hey, this guy has just won the battle against this bull. And little did he know that, yeah, he wounded that bull, but he didn't kill him. And as he's basking in all his uh, fun and his glory there, up that bull comes and he comes at him and he pierces him right to the back into the heart. And he kills him right there. Just when we think we have finished off pride, just when we turn to accept 
the congratulations of the crowd, pride stabs us in the back. We should never consider pride dead before we are. I think it makes us step back just a little bit and say, Lord, You're the owner and You're the ruler of my life. And You have a plan for my life. And each and every one of us, we need to make sure that we don't allow the enemy to come in to take us off the track that He has put us on. We must fight to keep our heads on straight in this life. And one way we can fight is to stay accountable to one another in the reverence and the fear of God. Another is to stay accountable to the Scripture. I love what these guys are doing with what Wycliffe and, uh, and the powerful translating work that they are doing. It's amazing. Uh, they're doing the Jesus film. Those are powerful films that affect a lot of people. Uh, we've shown those. I know that uh, Jody, when she was in West Africa, they showed them. And uh, it's a powerful, powerful tools of evangelism. But Wycliffe, other things they do is that Bible translation, powerful. And the work that they go through to be able to bring the Scripture alive into other languages, it's amazing. Do we leave our Bibles off on the corner somewhere? Or do we allow it to speak to our life as we pull it out and we read it. Jotham's humility showed his accountability. Jotham apparently heeded Isaiah's prophecy that as long as Judah would trust in God and not in their own might, he would deliver them. Judah was invited to join an alliance of Semitic states to hold off the Assyrians at one point, but Jotham chose not to join it. He wasn't going to compromise his faith. He wasn't going to depend on those unbelieving nations to be able to help him to ward off the Assyrians. He was willing to be accountable to the one who created him. There was no compromise. Even when it didn't feel good, he chose to follow the Lord's way. We've looked at these two. These are notable kings. We've looked at them. They were human much like us. They were very much like us. They both had some good things about how they lived and how they led their kingdom. Uzziah and Jotham both had some weak points and they needed to have others around them that were willing to challenge them and to keep them going on the right path. Each one of us have that need to. Each one of us need to be able to keep moving on the right path and encourage one another while we have time. We need those around us to keep us moving on the straight and narrow. Jesus said this over in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few will find it. So this brings us really down to this question this morning. Who is with you that can tell you when you're going wrong? Is it a parent? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it a godly co-worker? Who is it? Just make sure that you build relationships with those who care and are willing to speak life into your life according to the Word of God. That's why it's important to become part of a life group and it's so important for your spiritual life. 
This is also why we need to stay connected to one another while we live in this crazy world that we live in. And that's why you need to go out of your way at some time to encourage those who are around you. You may be the only encouragement that they have. You may be the only person who's going to say it's going to be okay and pray with them and say, we're trusting that God's going to help you. Let's finish our lives well. Let's finish the lives that we've started. Let's finish well. You may not have ended well or started well, but we can end well. Maybe you have started well. You can end well. What we need to do is trust in the Lord and surround ourselves with others who love God and are willing to ask the tough questions. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you're doing so, just one last thing. Humility accepts correction. Pride ignores it. Today, you may have come into this uh, service here this morning. Maybe you were kicking and screaming inside. I didn't want to come to service this morning. It's been a rough week. This has happened. That has happened. Uh, And and finally, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is saying, will you humble yourself and let me in? Will you humble yourself and let me into your heart? Let me into your life. Allow me to work in you. Let me guide you through life's storms. Let me guide you through life's joys. Because I want to be with you. Father, we give you thanks this morning because we know that if you are for us, who can be against us? We know, Father God, that you care for each and every one of us. And Father, You have a plan for each person in this place. And I pray, Father, for those who have yet to make that statement of faith, but it's more than just a statement. It's more than just that. But Father God, that they would, from the the heart of faith and the heart of hope, knowing that You are the Lord, they can say, Jesus, You are my Lord. every head bowed, eyes closed this morning, you may be here and you say, you know what? I have not made that decision yet. I have not chosen to follow Him. But today I choose to follow Him. I want to follow Jesus. You just lift your hands. If you're here in this place and you say, I want to choose to follow Him. Because there's no other way. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. If our prayer teams would come at this have need of prayer, if you would like for someone to pray with you, we would love to pray with you this morning. Maybe it's for your health is not the best and you need God to touch you. We know He's quite able to work in your behalf. But it could be that you say, you know what, I want to make that decision today to follow the Lord.